Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Final hour is here. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network from 6th and Peabody Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, our location, the distillery, the brewery, right here in the footprint of downtown Nashville. If you're wondering where 6th and Peabody is located, Paul, enlighten everyone. Uh, First, it's at 6th and Peabody. Secondly, it's right behind the convention center. And if you're familiar with the Titans mural, it's right there. Our our buddy uh, Hunter Bedore with Spire Sports, who's here right now, made the mistake of texting me and Hutton earlier. So what's the address of this place? <laughs> the immediate response, 6th in Peabody. Just like the name. I had someone last week standing on Everyone the corner does it. it's okay, Hunter, between the parking yeah. lot and here, and he said, excuse me, uh, can you tell me where 6th uh, in Peabody is? And I said, he was asking for the bar, and I said, that's it, right there, that big one. Hunter, Hunter and his crew, uh, James and everyone, they are at the forefront of the NIL. Um, and uh, he's in town, I'm sure, working on something right now involving name, image, likeness. So always something going on with that. We look forward to having more Spire Sports guests on the show. Um, tonight, the CMA Awards, right, David? It's about to get really busy. Two blocks from yeah, us Yeah, right two now. blocks, and the red carpet's about a block and a half to our left. David Reed is going to the CMA Awards tonight. Nobody better Jacob Swanson staying away from the CMA Awards tonight in Broadway. Um, I, I made the mistake of asking David Reed what he was wearing to the CMA Awards tonight. Uh, you're going to be asked that when you walk in. Sir, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? <laughs> who, who are you wearing? <laughs> is, this, you uh, wearing? is this Wrangler? Uh, uh, this is JCPenney. <laughs> this is actually Tractor Supply, uh, as you can see from my hat. Is this Belk? Are that's you wearing a, Belk again? The uh, actually, yes, I will be wearing Belk because everything <laughs> that I have that's semi-dressy is yeah, yeah. coming. What are you most looking forward to? I oh, but thought, say, hang on, Reed. You, your jackets, yeah, you have the ability to dress up to the like the you're occasion. the rick flair you have the rick flair of sports coats it's drip it, it's redneck drip <laughs> that's what it is let's call it what it is i thought about wearing overalls because i just want to be i want the country music awards to actually have something country in them so i thought about oh. doing that tonight so rick John, flair, so you're going with this thing rick flair wore reversible sports coats is what i'm hearing <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, it's black and it's blue. And it's blue. It goes I, in shoe. I have had a reversible sports coat in my life. That I'm so is, shame in that. Who are you looking forward to seeing? I, I did not even look up to see who is playing or performing tonight. I um, Florida everyone. Georgia line guy? You strike I'm, me as No, I'm waiting for a surprise. Like, I'm hoping someone that I actually year, like. So he doesn't up. like anyone in the bill. The year I went, Kenny Chesney played with a special guest, and Dave Matthews came out and played with him. Oh, nice. and you were that yeah, I was just like, I, That's pretty cool. This, is, this was meant to That's be. That's Hutton's guy. Hutton said, I'm out. See you guys. Levitate now. Hutton is a Dave Matthews yes. guy. I'm a Springsteen guy, and Chad is a, a an sync guy. Yeah, Backstreet Boys. Backstreet, it's Backstreet this Boys. This is the truth. Is, uh, <laughs> I forgot his name now. Carter. Nick Carter? Is Nick Carter still messing around with country music? I may, I may want to show up. <laughs> He's going to be there. Who was the guy at the bowling thing we were at that would not show his face? I Chris bowled, Kirkpatrick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chris Kirkpatrick was at a celebrity bowling event that we were at. And by the way, it wasn't With that Lee great Greenwood. of a celebrity list because Lee Greenwood was we also were, in this Derek list. We were celebrities. With Derek Mason. Was yeah, we were celebrities with Derek Mason, not the not the, the player, the Vanderbilt coach. And then Chris Kirkpatrick had his own private. The two bowling big stories out. were that Chad couldn't meet his hero, and that I bowled out of my mind. Remember, we had to go to the bar <laughs> to see the private lane 
to catch a glimpse of the great behind Chris Kirkpatrick. He with, was behind but, a curtain. But he was with Lee Greenwood, who who bowled in a sling. I wanted to yell, <laughs> this <laughs> is why I'm a Backstreet Boys guy, to Chris Kirkpatrick when he was hiding You should himself. have yelled. Why didn't you yell that? No, that is, that is one of the stories, enough. that Lee Greenwood had a sling and still bowled better than Paul Kirkpatrick. Yeah, I'm not kidding. There was, a, there was a song written about that night. Paul That's how great something. that night was. Speaking of CMAs, there's a girl who looks very famous right outside our details. door right now that's doing go some sort of tasting. Is that Janet Kramer? Go get the famous one. Uh, no, not even close. That's not Janet Kramer? No, not even close. I just like throwing You're, out the names of I random celebrities. Is that a, Brothers Osborne? I have a much better angle than <laughs> I don't you. Know any of these not Janet Brothers Kramer. Osborne. <laughs> I don't know any of these people. Hey, I think I just saw Dan or Shay outside <laughs> doing, a, doing a moonshine tasting. Who now, else is here tonight? Now this feels like Blackbird Studios all of a sudden. Yeah. By the way, Trace Atkins just walked by our door also. <laughs> Crazy. Good seeing him. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Who is Paul. country now, Reed? Is there um, anyone that's that's legitimately country? Oh, there's plenty of them, but you, they're not in But they're not going to be invited? No. Cody Jinx. Uh, what Colter about Jamie Wall. Johnson? Is he still knocking it around? Uh, he's still... A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Is he country? He's yeah, country, he's right? country. Yeah, yeah, okay. Too country for Nashville. I mean, I think he's country, but I always have to ask the actual country music aficionados what's actually country to get clarification. Paul, this week's injury report for the Titans, is it as lengthy as what we've been used to? It's it's pretty lengthy. Okay. Uh, this team's down to one fullback, and Torrey Carter's got a hip. He didn't practice. Dane Cruikshank with a knee. Bud Dupree with his knee. Uh, he spoke earlier today. Chris Jackson with the foot. That's a bad one. Harold Landry with a hamstring. David Long with a hamstring. Hamstrings steep, keep stacking up. Greg Maven, ankle. Jeffrey Simmons, ankle. They all did not participate today. A.J. Brown with a knee, limited. Nick DeZubnar, Rashawn Evans, ankle. Kendall Lamb, back. Taylor Lewan, knee. Tier Tart, groin, all limited. Nate Davis coming off his concussion, full participant. So he should He's be back this week. very close to clearing yeah. concussion protocol. Uh, the big ones there, Chris Alvin Jackson. Alvin Kamara on the other side. Yes. Knee injury, did not practice. There were some rumblings about that, and they tried out some running backs earlier this week. Which indicated, you know, maybe that's it's more. Not to good it. for the Saints. Not good at all. Josh Reynolds asked for his release. It was granted. Um, he got clean. delightfully granted by this team. Uh, they cut him loose because they couldn't trade him, and he's claimed by the Detroit Lions today. Now, got claimed by the first team in the claim. His contract right? was extremely uh, valuable right. to teams. I think that if you claimed him, you owed him about five hundred grand. Yeah, roughly. basically what's left of his deal, which was a one point seven five million deal, something like that. Yeah. It was just a one-year contract? Yep. So, yeah, I know that Vrabel was briefly asked about him today, and he said it just didn't work out. But I, I mean, said, I, what went wrong? He said, nothing really went wrong. Then later when he walked out, you know, when he's done, we all kind of banter about what was said. I go, yeah, nothing went wrong. Everything went right. That's why he's here. <laughs> I mean, uh, right. I, I don't, nothing went wrong. He just want, didn't want to be here, and we didn't want him here. But, so think about the mentality of the player, just briefly. And I don't want to harp on it too much because the guy quit on the Titans to go play for the Lions. You know, he deserves what he gets there. He he chose, he wanted to be released from the from a, a contending team, a team that's going to win its division, a team that's going to host a playoff game, to be placed on waiver claims. And the top two guys, the teams at the top are Jacksonville and Detroit. So you're 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 saying I would rather play for them than play here for a contender. And I know he wasn't playing, and that's part of the point. But that's also part of the mindset of the guy. I never got the sense that he was busting his ass, that he bought no. into what it takes to play here. 
And that's, look, first and foremost, it's absolutely on him. But again, it's a misread by the Titans on the love ball culture fit thing. And I guess you're going to miss some on the free agent thing because you don't get to know guys the way you get to know them on the draft where they've also missed. That's a separate compartment. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. You know, Vic Beasley, Jadavian Clowney, um, Josh Reynolds, those are all Kendall Lamb to a degree. All misses. Maybe not on the work ethic thing. Vic Beasley was a work ethic thing. Josh Reynolds, to me, is a work ethic thing. Clowney was I think just that's uh, a availability. Too much of a, a of a miss rate. And they get away with it there yeah. because they find ways to win. It's four. So, I'm, I'm counting four in the last two years that are high-profile work ethic issue problems that they misevaluated. Beasley, Josh Reynolds, Isaiah Wilson, Des Fitzpatrick. Prior to that, Rashard Matthews wanted out. He quit. Yeah. Well, that was a while ago, though. That's not this regime. But I'm saying this in. this two-year... Oh, yeah, it is. It is. Oh, Vrabel wasn't involved. Yeah, that. but this two-year jaunt, that's four people that it, it's not just because of injury or it just didn't that's work hard. out from a scheme standpoint. It's four people they brought in that didn't want to do the work. Yeah, yes, seemingly. They, they don't have that, that toughness. I don't think there's anything thing, seemingly about think, it. It's the truth. And this makes me wonder a little bit. And I listen, I think Robinson and Vrabel work very well together. And they're not going to agree on everything, right? And Robinson ultimately has the, the personnel thing. And I think, you know, I, I think generally he's not going to bring in guys that Vrabel doesn't want. But I think occasionally he probably is. I can't see. We were talking about this the other day. I mean, Josh Reynolds is a very but soft-spoken guy be. without on. a lot of attitude, and I can't see Mike Vrabel wanting that I also that cannot guy. see a scenario I where agree. the four guys we're talking about were simply John Robinson won them and Mike Vrabel didn't. Not all of them. I think John. I Probably think about Mike, half and I think half. Mike Vrabel was in on Isaiah I, Wilson. I'm willing to bet that there's but someone I, on that list that Mike Vrabel wanted that John Robinson wasn't as high on. Maybe. That they swung and missed on. Maybe. But on the personality front, I can't see. This is me with my opinion, knowing those two guys yeah. as I know them, I can't see Mike Vrabel talking to Josh Reynolds and thinking, you know, that's a guy I see going up and winning 50-50 balls for my quarterback. I can't see Robinson liking that guy either. I though. can't either. But it's he's the one who holds bizarre. the final say on personnel. So he's the one who ultimately said, yeah, let's bring that guy in. Which is bizarre to me. And look, the guy was productive last year in Los Angeles. So it really, there's something missing there well, i don't know what it is uh, it's it, la guy it's, there's I, nothing missing it, well i take that back there is something there's a toughness to his game that's missing that's required to play in this offense everything starts through the run and that's not the case in la with sean mcveigh sean mcveigh is more we, we had a guest on earlier this week or was it last week that said mcveigh you are basically the the mindset of your of your head, head coach. coach was it ike taylor ike taylor said this ike taylor and yep. he referenced sean mcveigh as an example because sean mcveigh is more finesse so that's the the mind they, they play a more finesse style. Now that's not saying that every player on the Rams roster is like that because right. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods get after and Aaron Donald. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Jalen Rams. But the, the 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 style of offense fits Josh Reynolds' style of play. You're right. He's not getting his hands dirty. He's not working very hard to get back anytime soon. So here the and Titans. that was my point yesterday about he he did not fit the mentality of toughness for this team which is all uh, in the trenches type blocking down. I mean, how many times do we get we get tired week in and week out of the coaches preaching about these receivers blocking, Corey Davis blocking. We wanted to see him catch passes. 
And all they wanted to talk about was how well he blocked. And we ripped him for it. Well, one of the guys has just been uh, asked for his release. Couldn't do that. Wasn't willing to get his hands dirty. They didn't want to play him for three games when he was actually healthy. They said, no, just, just sit back. We're better off with you and active. A and, guy that they signed this off. And this, to them, I would think, reestablishes some, some mantras, if you will, where they're going to, next time they look at a receiver, and Des Fitzpatrick had this too. So they went with two guys. Des Fitzpatrick isn't the greatest, most physical blocker either, right? So they came into this season and said, well, we've got a good core of, of wide receivers, our lead guys are good blockers, to get a little bit uh, cheaper on the free agent thing, to get a little bit more... Uh, downfield with the with the fourth round pick, we can we can give up a little bit of our core principle. Well, now what are they thinking? They're probably thinking, you know what? We shouldn't do that. We we got to stick to our core principle, and we're not going to bring in many receivers anymore who don't fundamentally have that blocker mentality that we need. We got to start there. You got to have that, and then be able to go get 50-50 balls and do all the other things of the receiver position. But if you don't have that mentality, you're probably not going to work here, and we probably shouldn't take a flyer on a guy that doesn't start with that. Here's something hilarious to me. Josh Reynolds wants to go to Detroit because of the quarterback that he's familiar with in Jared Well, Goff. he doesn't have much of a say. He, he, he got picked up on weight. Yeah, but I mean, that, that, that's going to be the situation that benefits Jared him. Goff probably put in a thumbs up Yeah, for he probably said, okay, Dan Campbell... His mentality, that going to jive well with Josh Reynolds? Probably not. Coming from Vrabel where it didn't jive well at all? I just don't see that working. We'll say this is another, Josh Reynolds didn't get to decide that. Yeah. Right? But you're right. I mean, it's it's a great comparison. I wouldn't go rush to pick him up for fantasy. I'm just saying it's going to, how it's going to blow up again. Right. A second straight time. He's going to be a free agent after this year and his market's going to be way depressed. He was down to 175. Now he's going to be down to minimum with incentive. Uh, returning to practice, and a guy who has been working hard to do that is Christian Fulton. This is big. Yeah, we didn't talk about this yesterday when we were listing <clears throat> the staples of this defense, and we were kind of going up the middle. But the, the Titans' defense has played terrifically over the last month. They're coming off their very best game. And now, potentially, you add the guy who is very much their best cornerback. Very much their best cornerback. And not against a team loaded with terrific receivers, right? There's no Michael Thomas walking through that door. Um, but all of a sudden, you potentially uh, take a defense that's been terrific and splash in a cornerback who's been missing uh, and who lifts that whole unit, um, and you only get better. That's a really terrific spot for them to be in. Coming up, we'll discuss Derrick Henry's loss and, and how the Titans, not just this past week, but in recent weeks, have been able to overcome lack of production from the run game to win games. We'll, we'll discuss that later. When we come back, though, 360 turnaround. And we will reassess something we loved and something we hated that we've now gone a full 360-degree uh, look on with this college football season, NFL season, football in general. Something we love that we now hate, something we hated that we now love, and how quickly things have changed over the course of three months. That's next on Outkick 360. 520 Eastern. 420 Central, Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Uh, in real time, if you're listening, maybe Sports Radio 104.7 in the Upper Cumberland, Fox Sports Shoals, Fox Sports Knoxville, anywhere in between. If you're watching on YouTube, Twitter, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick 360. Join us in the chat on YouTube as well. That's how you can interact with us at Outkick 360. You can also give your examples of the topic we are about to discuss right now. Paul, you brought this to the floor. It's excellent because you have some great examples of this. 
Uh, it, it had Chad and I both thinking about examples, and quickly we found some as well. We're looking for that 360 turnaround on a topic or a player or a coach or just an example of the football season yeah. in general. I don't want to use the word love. The, the word love is a little strong for me. Here, here's how I put it in, in what I just tweeted about it. Um, f- flip-flops. So football things we liked that we now don't. And things flip, that we flip commitment if you want to go yeah, with a college football term. And things that we didn't like that we now do like. So just kind of trend trend changes. I'll go first on 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 the one that I uh, didn't like that I do now like. And these are strong terms still. Urban Meyer. Look, I thought Urban Meyer was dead. I I don't mm. like him. I'm not. I don't like him yeah. now either. I get it now. But I thought <laughs> I thought that the guy was doomed when he didn't fly home. With uh, with his team after the Cincinnati game, and they are two and two since then. They just beat the Bills. They had nine turnovers in their first three games. They have three turnovers in their last three games. Uh, and this isn't Trevor Lawrence centered. He's not playing great right now. He's got three TDs and two interceptions and an eighty point two rating over the period of time we're talking about. There's some team cohesion going on. At a time where Urban Meyer told his team, you figure it out and you lead us through this thing, right? I thought he'd be fired by now. And Urban Meyer's trending up. And I've got no choice but to respect the work that he's done and the way that he has not only not gotten fired, but has gotten somebody like me to kind of believe in, in what he's doing. That is a great example. Are we so you want to stick with that, that? That's a really good one. Something you hated now love. That's what we're starting I, with. Yeah, I think love's a little strong, but something you feel. Yeah, we're, we're, we don't I, love negative Urban to Meyer. positive. I, I see what negative, you're negative to positive. No, I want you to love him. <laughs> I want you to say right now, Paul, no, that you love Urban not, Meyer. Not doing. It. I don't think um, I'd ever love him. You know what? I love this guy now, and this is perfectly in line with Urban Meyer because the guy who took over his job on Fox's Big Noon Kickoff. I hated Bob Stoops mm. as a coach. I love him on TV. That's a great one. This happens all the time with me. I will hate someone's sideline demeanor. I'll hate them in press conferences. I won't like their teams particularly. And then I will see them break down other teams and be on television and talk to people and interact. And I immediately love the person. Bob Stoops is mine. Hated that's very him. self-aware. Now of I you. love him. That's very self-aware of you that that's your habit. It happens all the time, and there are other instances where it's the reverse. Yeah, where I like booth. a coach, and they go on TV or radio, and I immediately don't like them. But that's I, I like Bob Stoops on that show. I think he's a lot better. And Urban Meyer was pretty good on TV, but I think he's better than than Urban Meyer. He's I didn't think it was going to be great with him on television, but he's really good on that show. Uh, so I have. Can I give two examples? Yeah, sure. Because I'm, I'm strong on both. Going into this college football season, I had not been to Bryant-Denny Stadium since 2005, and I, I don't really care for Alabama fans in general, right? I, I do think they live up to the stereotype. Um, that, that's completely false after this season without kick the tailgate. Tuscaloosa is far and away my favorite visit on this tour so far. I know we've got we've What got do you Auburn, still have coming? We've got Auburn coming up. We have Oxford coming up. This week we're in Knoxville. Knoxville. It's not going to be Auburn. <laughs> I, I, take, I take Knoxville and set it aside Prediction. because I've been so yeah, many yeah, times it's, that it's, it's just a home. given that we like it. We like Nashville as well. Nashville's an SEC city too. But Tuscaloosa, there is, there is a charm to it that I did not appreciate until 2021. So a shout out to Alabama fans for being very hospitable to us. Uh, and Farm Folio for all of your great uh, help in doing that too. 
But my, I think the one that I immediately thought of um, earlier this earlier this college football season, I brought up the topic about how the SEC quarterbacks suck, and that we, top to bottom, there's not a really good pod of them like we've seen in recent years. And as the last month and a half has played out, I've gravitated to the other side of it. I, I, I for college quarterback purposes, the SEC quarterback group is pretty good. I, I, I was judging them on NFL talent. But watching Will Rogers play at Mississippi State, the guy's completing 75% of his passes. He's thrown 23 touchdowns to just eight interceptions at Mississippi State. That's that's excellent for what Mike Leach is asking them to do. Bryce Young, 28 touchdowns, three interceptions. He completes 70% of his passes at Alabama. Uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, Matt Corral plays through injuries and is tough and, and physical for his stature. You don't think he's as physical as he is, but he lowers a shoulder. And again, I gravitate to that. Bo Nix, I have won. I have lost with Bo Nix. I've won again. I've lost again. But there is this love-hate feeling I have with Bo Nix where I gravitate to rooting for him when I watch him play. A Calzada is a legend. I mean, he was the worst quarterback of the group and then beat Alabama with his play at Texas A&M uh, last month. And then, finally, Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker, should I, I should have listed him at the top of the list because he has jumped in as the backup and it's taken over the conference by storm to where you just can't bet against him or this offense. And I know they're playing Georgia. I would take the points this week because of Hendon Hooker and this offense. I'm not saying they win the game, but there's something about the quarterback play that I'm buying into at Tennessee. That's the thing I flipped on the most is the group of quarterbacks across the Southeastern Conference. That's a good one, and it's changed fast. When did we have that conversation? Five weeks ago? Five or six weeks ago, yeah. Well, and it's it's uh, the Davey O'Brien semifinalist came out, I think, today or yesterday, Hutton, and it – it proves what you're saying. Stetson Bennett, Hendon Hooker, Will Rogers, all on that list as SEC quarterbacks. And that's of the entire country right, yeah. at every level of, of FBS. And you got those guys, Matt Corral. I should throw that in there. Um, and am I missing Bryce Young? He, oh, I go got, past his, his name? If he's not in there, that is a severe oversight. Maybe it's for upperclassmen. I don't know why he would not be on there. He is not on this list. Well, C.J. Stroud's on there. So. CJ Stroud's there, yeah. No, no Bryce Young. Boys, Slight. way back, <laughs> way back on September. Well, we got Alabama fans angry again. <laughs> way back on September 4th, I watched the bulk of Fresno State, Oregon, and I thought I was on to something. Fresno State lost by a touchdown to Oregon. Okay. And I liked Fresno State, but I particularly liked Jake Hayner, their quarterback. And I was like, I'm going to be in early on this guy as the whole world comes to see. Bryce Young's on the list, by the way. Okay. I had him there. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Keep going. As the whole world discovers Jake Hayner, I'm going to be able to say I was in early on this guy. Not so. Not not so. Okay, so they, they lost to Oregon by a touchdown. They beat UCLA, and everything was looking good. Then they beat Nevada. They lost to Hawaii. And they lost to Boise State, Boise State, got killed by Boise State. But my boy, Jake Hayner, in the last five games, has thrown 56%, 53%, 59%, 57%. And in these two big losses, this loss to Hawaii, he threw four picks. This loss to Boise State, he threw three picks. Practically losing these games himself. And I'm not ahead of anybody on Jake Hayner. I was a dreamer. I was a dreamer that Jake Hayner was going to be something special, and I was going to have a West Coast guy that nobody had really seen. I, uh, a little little quick to jump off of one nice game. Paul that was I saw looking, looking ahead to the draft, thinking I've 
Yeah. I never be, have anybody in the draft that nobody's ever let heard. Let me of. also say, Jake Hayner, one of the 16 semifinals <laughs> for Davey O'Brien Award. Yeah, let me give you a little heads up. He ain't winning. I don't like a semifinalist list that has 16 names on it. Yeah, that's like the SEC. So there'll all, be eight finalists? All I'm basketball. Guessing. I know, but, but that, cut even half. that's way too many. Preseason all basketball team with uh, 20 guys on it. You usually have four finals. I mean, it's a lot of people who can put that in their Twitter bio. Yeah. Davey O'Brien Award semifinalist 2021. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a big resume. Bailey Zapp of Western Kentucky, also a semifinalist. You guys agree, though. Like, there should be a, there should be a hard, fast rule on what constitutes semifinalist, what constitutes finalist. That's what 16th. constitutes a, a, a preseason all-tournament, yeah. preseason list, or whatever, SEC list. There should be a hard, fast rule on the maximum amount of names. Because it's water, it waters it down too much. It, it doesn't have meaning. Now, for Jack Hayner, it's like your life accomplishment. Yeah, right? I just don't care enough that about them know, putting that I, on their bio. Because the, the, what matters to me is who wins it. Yeah, but on draft, I'm looking ahead to the draft, right? And we're, we're going to go through They'll a lot of players screen. in March leading up to April's draft. And you'll think and it And they put something. it on the screen, and you're like, oh, this oh. guy was uh, one of the top four quarterbacks in the well, country. I mean, but it's actually it on the one screen, of the top but it's not, gonna, it's not going to make a difference for him getting drafted. No, but when we see it, we'll think it meant something, and actually it's one of 16, not one of four is what he's saying. Yeah, that, I agree with that. It sounds again, impressive, we, we but it's not. we don't give it clout until that one glimpse of the name, Davey O'Brien award winner or semifinalist. And then it's like, oh, that, that, I mean, that, that resonates with someone. I think, I think you shouldn't care until they're finalist. Now, if the argument it's eight finalists and that's too many, there should be three or four. How many finalists? Are I'm there? with eight? you there. Well, they're, they're, I'm guessing they're probably going to cut this list in half yeah, and have eight. eight. Be the next one. That's too many. To me, that I don't know that semifinalist would resonate with me. Finalist does, or winner obviously does. Yeah. But if there's eight on the semi on the finalist, I'm kind of with Hutton on it that. Plays, one. It plays though, like Hutton's saying, it plays towards a trophy for everybody, kind of thing. Well. um, this is not a trophy for everyone kind of thing because uh, in college football for years they awarded a tie in the game, which is kind of a trophy for everyone type yes. mentality. They went yes. to the they went to the overtime in college football. I I really like the the structure of the college football overtime, but on the list of things that I loved and now hate, it's the new college football overtime rules. When I saw this on paper and said, "Okay, now we're going to get down to it quicker," they're going to go quickly to trading two point conversions until there's a winner, I liked it in theory that you're going to cut down on really long overtimes where you're starting a drive at the 25 over and over again. And then Penn State, Illinois happened, and I got about eight of those two-point conversions in and thought, yeah, this is a bad idea. I now hate this new rule. Any chance they revisit? I don't think so. My, my, I was in love with Kentucky's offense to begin <laughs> yeah, the season. Yeah, you were. Well, That's a good one. I was in love with the Wildcats and Liam Cohen. Hey, they they they, they, they rose me. up again, Hutton, this past week. You know, I, I, uh, yeah, but they, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying Will Levis that first game. There was a there was a, a moxie to him after that blowout win at home over Louisiana Monroe or whoever they were playing. Temporary. And he took to the podium. You know, he still got his pads on. He's got the eye black that was all smeared. And he's like, "Yeah, we're we're going to be really good. Play action. You know, I'm excited to get in this offense. Get going. I'm thinking you bought. This could be great." You know, they, they have a run game. They have a good offensive line. They're going to be able to sell the play action. I'm thinking what goes on down the street here at Nashville at Nissan Stadium. Uh, bombs over Baghdad with the uh, – with, <laughs> shout out to Outkast with the, with the uh, deep passes. His longest pass of the season is 62 yards. He averages – this offense at Kentucky, uh, Will Levis, it's no fault of him. Some of it's on play call. Some of it's on wide receiver talent. It just has not meshed. I think they have a lot of good individual talent that has not come together as an offensive team. And 
they they average a little over seven yards per attempt per pass. I mean, think about that. Uh, the offense that we thought was going to be more play action and uh, deep passing is more or less the Minnesota Vikings, right? They're, they're putting up Kirk Cousins-like numbers without the gaudy stats that inflate this. He's eighth right now if you combine all the passing stats. Will Levis is eighth in the SEC among all quarterbacks. That's behind Will Rogers, Bryce Young, Matt Corral, Max Johnson. Max Johnson, who had 92 passing yards in the, combined in the fourth quarter against Alabama. Uh, Connor Basilak, Bo Nix, Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker, who didn't start the season, has has better passing statistics. Oh, way uh, better. Way better than than Will Levis. And behind him... 22-2 to two touchdown interception right now uh, for Hooker. He's tied with... Uh, he has the same amount of passing yards as uh, K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas. Uh, and behind him, Calzada, Emory Jones, Kenny Seals, um, and who am I leaving out on this list? It cuts off for me. There's got to be one or two more. My point here is I was really bought in on Kentucky's offense because I thought, here is Stoops saying that finally he has the players that can play this style of offense. That is an uptick in recruiting. It takes a certain athleticism to play the offensive style to push the ball down the field instead of this three yards in a cloud of dust mess that we've seen there and it's going to combine well and pair well with their defense not the case they're they're close but they're not that close they're not as close as what i thought they were back in late august early september so that's that's where i flipped the most something that uh, bothers me about will levis a bit and i thought he was he was good for the most part against tennessee both offenses were really good in that game but the pick six yeah. To Alante Taylor, that was a game changer yes. because that gave Tennessee the first 10-point lead of the game and gave them a slight cushion in, in the game. And Alante Taylor said this week, I couldn't believe that he threw it because he said, I was standing right there. You know, I, it's not like I, I, he undercut it, but he was looking at him in perfect coverage and he still threw it. And he said, I'm thinking, why is this guy throwing the ball? That was the easiest pick six I'm ever going to have. And then Theo Jackson said later in the game, that they knew on film when they go to this certain screen pass, he said it would have been a pick six had he not thrown it so poorly. <laughs> That's what he said about Will That's Levis. He said he threw it so poorly that I was I was bummed out because it was going to be another pick six had he thrown the ball. Something interesting maybe from Mark threw Stoops it that today. Poorly on purpose after he yeah, saw and I immediately thought maybe he saw it and like threw it out of you know over his head, knowing it was going to be a pick six as he started the motion. Uh, Mark Stoops today was asked if he set, sent any plays in, questionable calls to the SEC to look at, and he said, I'm done doing that because it doesn't make a difference. I'm not sending in bad plays anymore because it never changes. Pretty strong statement I, from I, Mark I, You could say the same for the NFL. I mean, that's, that's I the case. I think you got to keep getting them on record would be my I, thing. You know, I, I, I don't blame him. I yeah, kind I, of understand. At some it's, point, don't you he, feel like you're wasting your time? That's if what he said. It's a, it's a waste of our time to go and look at this and send it in and get a get a no response from well, them. It's technically, you're having somebody do it, I'm sure. I, I could see you saying that and feeling that way, but I still feel like you get them all on I'm going to also say this yeah. about Mark Stoops, just the way we did yesterday with our debate, the discussion of the, the taunting, you know, the mm -hmm. thing, not putting yourself in that position. I understand him being pissed off about the no face mask call that should have been called late in the game that set up the fourth and 24. You can't come running onto the field like a madman and throwing your headset or taking it off and getting a 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalty. That took it from 4th and 9 to 4th and 24 and should have ended the game for his team, but they bailed him out and got that first down on 4th and 24. 
So you can't do that either. By the way, while we're on the, while we're on the topic of officiating, I, I retweeted this. One of the national guys tweeted out the video from NFL officiating that they put out weekly where they go over a couple calls to clarify. And they went over the Jalen Ramsey thing. And they said, you know, he, the first call was adjusted and both teams were notified of it, which is an outright lie because who are you yes. notifying? PR or, or the GM? The person you would notify is Mike Vrabel. And Mike Vrabel knew nothing about it until the second call came, at which point they huddled, clarified it on the field, and announced it. And that's the first Mike Vrabel knew about it. So they're just lying. My guess is they notified one, if, if, if true, they notified the player and then the home sideline. That's the only thing I can come up with. And, and Vrabel had the line, well, just tell me when you change it next time then? Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't. You have to notify the head coach. Well, and you, you should it? have to notify why would they the official um, why would you go the back official and change game it, book though? people, right? The statistician. The, the game book recognizes That's the, official. the call on the field from earlier. Right, the first call. Is there not any, the first call. Is there any documentation of them changing it before the second no. call? Like we're saying, no. the game book, the game I mean, book they, has the initial penalty, and it's unchanged. They went back and changed it after. No, they never changed it. In the official game book, it reads as the initial penalty. It does. Still, today. And so why that's, I, mean, I want to know why you go back and change it to begin with. Because they didn't want to eject yeah. well, Jalen Ramsey. Well, isn't that I, weird? Well, that why is, they no, changed that's it on why. The but like, penalty. if you're if you're lying about it, how do you how do you explain away the i like the idea that prior to the second foul, you would change the first one? Like when yeah, when no in sequence would you go change that and notify the team? Yeah, why would you be thinking about it at all right, right. after but the first call? Isn't it weird? the only time to change it? is before the next play after yeah, you would, make the original call. Correction. And I don't recall yeah. any you would announce debate the after that yeah. call. I mean, right. we could go of, back of and look. The Was there any discussion though, about it? Of all the no. things to... No. They, I'm telling you, none of this happened until they just up and decided... Yeah. We're not going to eject this guy on a second penalty. So let's find we'll a way now to say undo we it. went back and said the first one wasn't there. Right. But of all the things to huddle and change, of all the things that happen in a football game where I think about the taunting rule, could they have gotten together and said, you pick up the flag, you know, huddle up. No, we're not going to do this right now at this point in the game. There's no taunting. I think about the Tennessee Ole Miss game on the fumble return for a touchdown where they got together and huddled up and then. Of all the things you could get together and decide, let's just not do this. They huddled up and decided we can't eject Jalen Ramsey, even though he has two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Isn't that weird? Well, it's strange. Of all the things to up and decide during the game, no, we can't do that. Well, here's we can't eject this defensive back from the game. Well, here here's what people go to in this thinking, and now it's back to back prime time games, right? Sunday night, you. People, not me, people, this vague people, start saying, fix is in, right? They don't want the Rams to lose this game. They certainly don't want them to lose it big. You got to keep Jalen Ramsey in that game. And then we didn't get to this layer of, of the taunting call against Chicago, but that penalty kept possession for the Steelers in that game late, three and a half minutes left. Right, right. And we hadn't gotten to this, but there's, some people wrote, there's cause for people to do the uh, now with the gambling thing up to where it is. Fix is in. What was this? I don't even know the spread on that game at the time. At the time of the foul, I don't know the. Oh, what the I don't recall spread. either. I don't but all I need is to hear enough people saying it to think they have cause to question it. 
And there you go with the officials doing stupid stuff that makes people wonder. And that's all you need is some appearance of impropriety, whether there's impropriety or not. What do you, what do you always say? Uh, per, uh, perception perception is, reality. is reality. Yeah, and I, 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 I think that stands here well, too. When even the rules expert on the broadcast can't cover for you, something's wrong. Because the uh, Macaulay, the guy they were bringing on, had no explanation. Now, I don't think he's the one who corrected it. them and said, "No, this no, should I, be an objection." I don't. I don't uh, none of us think they're fixing it, but I think you're allowing for conspiracy theorists who want to say you're fixing it to to have evidence to present a case to the crazies who will jump on it and start to feed that. Coming, it's up, not good. We uh, have hit the last week and a half, the, the Derrick Henry injury to the Tennessee Titans and ultimately how they figure out a way to distribute the football without him and how last week didn't go very well and they need to continue to figure out to get it better moving forward. But really, and I'll explain, they, they've done a nice job over the last three weeks of not having much there and getting victories. So... The question is, are we actually buying them more that they're able to overcome some deficiencies in the run game and not have Henry? That's next on Outkick 360. A discussion on Derrick Henry and the impact to the offense. Looking at it from a a different angle, that's coming up in a matter of a couple of minutes. Outkick 360 rolls on here from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Football Zebra's got to confirm from the NFL that the NFL Competition Committee is growing from 9 to 10, and there's been some turnover. Sean Payton, John Elway, Mike Murphy are off. Frank Reich, Chris Greer, an odd choice because he could be on his way out as Miami's GM. Katie Blackburn, the Cincinnati Executive Vice President, and Mike Vrabel are on. That's a big development for Vrabel and for Tennessee. This was a big perch for Jeff Fisher during his time as a Titans yeah, it coach. Was. Uh, it gives you a lot of credibility in league circles. Not that Mike Vrabel's not credible, but it, it adds to your stature in the league to be on the competition committee. Do you think Mike Vrabel will have Mike Tomlin's stance on the taunting rule? That's absolutely he necessary did. for the sport. Well, you he want to know what I think? He supports he? the taunting rule, but I guarantee you that he supports the taunting rule well and smartly enforced. And I doubt that he thinks it was well and smartly enforced earlier yeah. this week. Yeah. Um, quickly, uh, let's let's hit on Derrick Henry and the impact of his loss. We know that they're losing an MVP caliber player. Uh, and the two games he played before his injury, though. He was not a huge production factor. Now, he was a factor. Like Teams were stacking the box. They're putting eight, in some cases, goal line defense from the 40, which is unusual. Uh, we, we saw that. He was on the field, and defenses had to account for him. But production factor, not all that great. He was not running the ball with that success that we're used to seeing. They were still having to overcome down and distances, um, less than favorable field positions, all of that, even with Henry there for the Kansas City and the Indianapolis game, again, all prior to his injury. And I'm not saying that he's not a huge impact player because he is. But going back throughout his career, in the games where he's had at least 20 carries, all those games, the Colts and the Chiefs games were his second and third least productive games of his career in games where he had at least 20 carries. He had 28 carries for 68 yards against Kansas City, 29 carries for 86 yards against Indianapolis. 
And then we know what they did last week against the Rams without him, which was not much. But I contend that while they're, I admit they're trying to figure out how they keep their identity, I do think they have a formula that shows they're capable of winning without him as important as he is to the overall puzzle that they were piecing together. I, I do think they've shown that they have a formula to win without that running production, as long as they can continue to run the football. And I think that was important in the last two wins previous to the injury. There was still the threat of Henry. And now without that threat, I think it's imperative that you you play with a lead or you're playing within reach of, of tying the game. And I mentioned yesterday, look, Atlanta just beat the Saints and they took the hit on the carries, Hut. They carried the ball 25 times. 20 of them were, were non-quarterback carries. 25 times with a 1.4 yards per carry average. What's more important there? Obviously, it wasn't the rushing average. Right. Obviously, it wasn't the yards. Obviously, it was that they wanted to balance out run pass, and they didn't want to ask uh, Matt Ryan to throw it too much. Now, this would have been a fascinating game if Derrick Henry was healthy because New Orleans is the best run defense in the league mm-hmm. by a good bit. And it would have been fascinating to see what they could do there. The Titans are not running the ball with success on, on Sunday. No. The question is, how much will they be able to run it? How many handoffs will there be in this game? That's it. Like You hope yards per carry is better than 1.4, but it ain't going to be great. How many handoffs can they manage? That's a weird question. I hate it because, it, quite frankly, well, I'd rather you not waste care. I, my I football it, viewing eye, I'd rather see you just sling it. I, I, I know. And I look at it, though, from the other angle of the quarterback. Uh, can they run it enough to where you're not relying on, on Tannehill? And a lot of this is score dictated, where you're not relying on Tannehill to throw it 40 times in the game. 50, 50 plus, you would think in a passing league is great. It's it's, it's a killer it's formula. A, it's a death knell. But I'd like to see some of those runs that might turn into 1.4 carry be a little push pass, be a screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enhance yeah. those things. If yeah. you're throwing it 45 times, but 10 of those are screens and push passes and things that are effectively run games, but that start out in space instead of asking the running back to get to the space... I'm okay if 12 of the throws are that and you're close to 50. If you're doing a little push pass, you're talking Mahomes style? Yeah. Who's the Tyreek Hill on this team? Well, that's where they well, miss Cam Batson. Have to, they yeah. miss Cam Batson now with the, on IR. But you know, you're right, Chad. They, yeah, they, they, they don't, they don't have it, but you create it. You, you well, put A.J. Brown for twice. Tyreek Hill. You do it quite, twice with A.J. Brown, and you do it once with the tight end like they used to do it with Johnny Smith, and you, you, have to, you have to create it. But they've been creating things that have consistently – succeeded for them and something just to keep in mind here right now they're the number one seed i don't know where they end up we know at worst they'll be the four because we expect them to win the afc south if all the turmoil across the afc if these good teams continue just to be good and you don't have one that just rises out of the the group of 11 right now with a winning record if the titans can continue this pace and if they can continue to stay around that number one seed a buy would be massive for this team because there is still that hope that they're dangling out there oh, yeah. that Henry could return. And if you have one less game, especially in the playoffs in a loser goes home situation, if you have one less game without Henry and one game closer to him, 
huge impact grabbing that buy and if they can maintain their, where they are. And they've Why got is their first Schefter buy so adamant that he's out coming for the up in a month? He's in a pissing contest, I think, with Rappaport is one thing. Because everything I'm seeing is four to six weeks you reevaluate with a doctor, and then you'll know how long it's going to be after that. No we one's going to know until four see. to six weeks out. It was the more complicated process. The NBC told us that during the broadcast. CJ2K Chris Johnson joins us tomorrow on Outkick 360. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.